Hey, hi, hello. Welcome back to the Hunter Hunter podcast within the HBO Boys podcast. I am one of your local HBO boys, Ryan. We are on episode 9, entitled Beware of Prisoners, which is pretty on the nose. The summary goes like this. Gon and his friends must win three out of the next four rounds. The second round is a game to see whose candle is extinguished first. However, Gon's candle was tampered with. Next, Pika Pika finds himself in a death match against the serial killer Majitani. However, Majitani soon reveals a spider tattoo on his back, the symbol of the Phantom Troop. That sounds wholly ominous, and I bet Pika Pika will take that in stride and not explode into a fiery rage that, if all goes well, will somehow physically and mentally harm the rookie hunter. Before I get into the podcast where I try to say things almost too quickly for people to understand, please head over to patreon.com slash hboboys, boys with a Z. For $1 or more a month, you get this podcast way before I put it up on the main channel, and you get a bunch of other bonus content that James and I put together. I swear to gosh, it's worth it. Go on over. $1 a month. Patreon.com slash HBO boys. We join our adventuring squad back where we left them at the end of episode 8, within the third phase of the 287th Hunter Exam, where they are facing five prisoners in the middle of Trick Tower and many a kind of competition, and they must defeat three to pass to the next objective, all with less than 70 hours to reach the bottom. Tones Bones, the rookie crusher, has already done his crushing duties to purposely fudge over his four pals next to him who should all together just murder him. Heck, one of the people next to him, Kilowatt, has committed a double murder within the last 24 hours. It shouldn't even be that hard. Gone has volunteered with his youthful exuberance to face the second challenger, a prisoner named Sadokin, who has been sentenced to 149 years in prison as he is a former serial bomber. Setokan, perhaps is his act? Yeah, I, I want, I'm like saying Hadouken. It's Setokan. Let's see if I remember or say it wrong again. I'm sure that will transpire. And let's all remember the parameters, which is for every hour the prisoners delay the applicants, they get a year off their prison sentence, which, as I just mentioned, Sadukin <laughs> has a 149-year prison sentence. Okay, they need all the time they can get. Okay, that's all the background I'm going to give you. Are you satisfied? Okay, neat. I'm glad your satisfaction is all I'm truly here for, and I'm aware my recent yelling doesn't convey that completely, but it is true nonetheless. Setokan immediately points out that he's not a man of large stature, and that if put into a physical altercation, even with the tiny child in green in front of him, known to us as Gon, he most likely wouldn't win. And that's not even with the knowledge that Gon is a fucking superhero, who I assume could shove his entire fishing pole within this prisoner's body butt first, and mount him on a wall, just based on how close he was to being a challenge to Netero in a previous episode. Seto Khan continues to point out he isn't good at running, or jumping, or really anything physical whatsoever, and Gon tells this newcomer to his life, plus the audience, who already knew this, that he loves those things, and is much better at them than deductive reasoning or math. His whole character can, at this point, be summarized by him just saying, I'm bad at math, me jump, me fun, me murder, is murder fun? I don't know yet, me bad at math, I'm bad, bam. <laughs> 
Anyway, this leads Seto Khan to be even more psyched because he is challenging Gon to a game of wits, which even Gon just pointed out he is a few sandwiches short of a picnic. Setokan says that his game has to do with lighting a candle and seeing what candle goes out first, and he holds up a short candle and a long candle for Gon and company to choose from by majority rule. And this kind of activity is the perfect thing to do when you're trying to waste time, because by its nature, a candle burning to the end of it's going to take for goddamn ever. With one of the candles being long and one of the candles being short, you'd have to assume that this is a trap! But I would also assume that the Rookie Crusher will choose the short one out of spite and also perhaps being a dullard. And then the rest of the four will pick the long one because it just makes the most sense. But I also bet that whether he picks column A or column B, it doesn't matter a whole bunch either way due to obvious sabotage in this situation from Sadukon. Pika Pika walks us, the audience, through what happens to humans when subjected to an obviously biased choice, where everyone becomes suspicious and reasoning goes out the window. But this is now the second time where, in the middle of an episode, Pika Pika just decides to take his group of adventurers around him, plus the audience, to school. Like, the author really likes games of chance, or perhaps is just a degenerate gambler, and is like, anytime I can get Pika Pika to describe gaming theory while I decide which pony to bet on next, I'm definitely going to do that. Sadukin also points out that taking time to make a choice is also in his favor, so he's cool with any amount of deliberation. Pika Pika tells Gon to just choose one, to which Kilowatt immediately is like, uh, you sure about that, dog? You're gonna leave this decision up to the Golden Retriever? And Pika Pika comes back with the very logical reasoning that is, there's no good answer here, we're definitely in a trap! And so let the dog grab whatever bone vibes with him and let's get into it. Gon picks the long candle, because the longer the candle, the longer it burns, which, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, isn't untrue. Let the boy live. They all vote for the long one that Gon has picked, which I guess is interesting, question mark? I assumed the Rookie Crusher would be momentarily annoying, but at this point, I suppose his job is done. And still, the fact that he's not dust at the bottom of the tower at this point is beyond me. And I'm aware they probably need him for many objectives to come, as they are within a team environment, and my rage must be checked. But I just hate him, you know? And Mr. Oreo should be psyched, because the more that I have hate pointed towards the Rookie Crusher, the less energy I have to remind everyone that Mr. Oreo is a terrible racist. But if this is the last thing the group has to do before the third phase is over, and they haven't murdered the Rookie Crusher... What an opportunity wasted. Setokan and Gon light their candles together as we get the perspective of the prison warden, Lippo, still eating cookies, how many sweets can one man have, and watching them while laughing like an evil dink. And then, for the next 20 minutes, we just go back and forth between these two characters, holding candles as they both wait for one of them to be gone. <laughs> I mean, no, that's not actually what happens. But how fucking ballsy would it be if that's what they did? God, I would clap and clap and clap. This would be the best show ever if they were just like, one candle, next candle, one candle, next candle. This is an hour-long special, by the way, where we're just looking at candles and hoping for the best. The adventuring crew posits that this could take five to six hours for one of the candles to go out, and as they do, a sudden gust of wind comes up the tower, just like they were standing in the middle of Split Mountain, which doesn't make much sense, but okay, and almost puts out Gon's candle, which would have been a real dick punch. Gon's candle then starts to act as if it's a flamethrower due to the tampering, which of goddamn course that's happening. It's totally been saddled by sedative pseudocon, whatever his name is over here. 
and he's laughing his malaise off as he's just like a lazy piece of shit with droopy ass eyes being a dick and winning this challenge. The candle starts going very quickly, burning Gon's hand as Setokan describes the actual trick, which is that he had two more candles in his back pockets and it didn't matter whether Gon picked the long or the short one, he was going to, through sleight of hand, give him one that was doused in oil. So apparently this guy is like a little magician slash bomb maker slash swindler. And I wish Kilowatt would just like throw the rookie crusher at him from across the room so that both parties would be at least minorly injured. Gon then smiles really big like he has an idea, which is off-brand up to this point. He puts the candle down as it is unlikely to go out even without him holding it, and he runs over at super speed over to Setacon and blows his candle out. So fuck you, Setacon! A literal brain-dead dog just beat you. Okay, listen. I know he's not an actual brain-dead canine. In fact, what just happened proves the fact that he isn't. But I also think that this is what makes Gon an actually interesting main character, at least in this first act, is that yes, he's strong, but he's not the strongest. And yes, he's mentally capable, but he's for sure not the smartest one around. And yes, he has a moral compass, but we have no idea what way is true north in this boy's brain. He's like if dynamite was malleable. You know, you don't know what's about to happen next with this bro. From afar, we get the perspective of Lippo once more, while still eating cookies. Goddamn, this dude's metabolism must be fucking light speed. And he says that the maneuver Gon just pulled was impressive, as Gon heads back to his side victorious. Next up on the prisoner's side is Majitani, whose face is all fucked up due to an unsuccessful plastic surgery, is blue abadi-abadai, and is a large muscular bro with many heart tattoos on his chest, assumably representing lives he has stolen, or perhaps... Just his love for his pecs. And he was sentenced to 108 years in prison for repeated fraud and blackmail. And from the good side, Pika Pika, the last survivor of the Kurta clan, is up. Majtani proposes a death match without weapons and with the condition that one of them must die or surrender to finish the match. As a quick aside, a death match is proposed where the person wins if the other is dead or if they admit defeat question mark what is the definition of deathmatch to these people do they not have a dictionary to me a deathmatch ends in death but i suppose that's just too much to ask for these cartoon people anyway moving on majitani begins to try to intimidate the cold and calculated pika pika by saying that he himself won't admit defeat and also if pika pika says that he gives up he might not even stop <laughs> i'm a dastardly bitch And then Mashtani keeps up his intimidation act when that doesn't work, puffs up his chest and his lats, huge lats, as much as he can, while Mr. Oreo asks the crowd if they think Pika Pika is going to be alright. And Kilowatt has this internal monologue, affirming to himself that this 1995 Eiffel 65 hit over here is nothing more than a big talker, with no skill to back it up. Gon also backs this prediction, but out loud, and to Kilowatt's dismay, further proving that his instincts outweigh his brain power on a constant basis, but are also so good that they get him by most of the time. And surprise, Kilowatt, the murderer next to him. Gon says he gets no, quote, chills, unquote, from this dude, which means that he can't be that dangerous. My balls would be inside my body if I thought this guy was scary, but they're not. They're hanging low, and obviously, this is a mimicry of the situation, and not me pretending to be a child, talking about testicles as that would be inappropriate. 
Mashtani then jumps up in the air and punches a hole in the floor, where Pika used to be, impressing both the Rookie Crusher and Mr. Oreo, but still not budging the resolve of the tiny children who thinks this dude is a punk-ass bitch. Then, as his last and final trick, Mashtani turns around and shows off his Phantom Troop tattoo, which does not have the desired effect on his opponent. He assumed it would cause fear and retreat, but was unaware that he was showing said tattoo to the one person on Earth whom it would cause an unbridled bloodlust. This, of course, causes Pika Pika to go Kurta Super Saiyan as his eyes turn scarlet, a trait exclusive to the Kurta clan, which means it's only Pika Pika. It means for only Pika Pika now, you know, the other ones are dead. And it means that he has a temporary increase in both physical strength and speed that allows him to, after a bit of monologuing about how he's a magic orphan, Defeat the blue coward with a one-punch man that doesn't kill the bro, but it's pretty close. Pika Pika then tells Majtani, who's completely knocked out, to remember three things. A genuine Phantom True tattoo has the member's number inscribed on the spider's back. Number two, they have murdered so many people that it would be impossible to count. Number three, do not ever mention the Phantom Troop again to Pika Pika, or he will straight kill you with his bare hands. And then number four, don't talk about Fight Club. Pika Pika then further explains as he returns to the side of the heroes that at any time when he sees any kind of real spider, tattoo spider, or otherwise, he loses his scarlet shit. To which Gon and Mr. Oreo are like, okay, I guess we keep him away from spiders, I guess. Then the next prisoner and Mr. Oreo head to the center of the ring as a wild narrator appears. With Pika Pika's triumph over Majtani, they only need one more win to reach the next phase. But can Mr. Oreo sack the fuck up and win a round that has nothing to do with being skilled or talented or not a plonker? Find out next time on Hunter Hunter. And, you know, we have officially entered a bottle episode. That was a bottle episode, which means a episode of television that only takes place in one room. I mean, other than seeing the outside perspective of Lippo on his many a screen. But that barely counts. So, yeah. We were then just like a, a large room, and we're still inside the room we were in last episode. We're going to be in that room next episode. If I had known that going into this, I would have probably done all these episodes together as like, you know, one large fight room scenario. But I didn't, okay? I am a novice. So yeah, anyway, thank you for being here for episode 9. I look forward to episode 10 because holy shit, I need to see who wins this goddamn fight. And see if Mr. Oreo gets thrown off the side. That would be neat. I appreciate y'all sticking around, listening to episode 9. I can't wait to get to episode 10, and I hope you guys feel the same. Much love and other drugs, and I will see you next time. Bye!